The Business of Agriculture podcast is brought to you by Land Trust. Did you know sportsmen spend over $5 billion annually in hunter and angler access fees? Land Trust is a platform that connects sportsmen with farmers and ranchers like you who have untapped profits just by providing access to their land. Go to landtrust.com slash BOA, as in business of agriculture, to see how much you might add to your bottom line. Greetings. Hey, thanks for joining us here on the Business of Agriculture podcast. It's me, your host, Damian Mason, but you knew that because you tuned in that says so in the introduction. We are going to talk today to some really good guests, and we got a great topic for you. We're talking about bringing value to the producer through consultancy and lab work. You know, there's a lot of stuff that happens behind the scenes. Maybe you're driving down the road. Maybe you are in the business of agriculture, hence you listen to this podcast, and you're like, yeah, I think I get that. There's a lot of stuff that happens behind the scenes that nobody really sees or appreciates. Pretty technical stuff, pretty interesting stuff, high-level stuff, stuff that makes us as productive as we are. So we're going to talk to my friends with Brookside Laboratories who have a brand called Amplify. They're a, a network of consultants that go out to the farms and help these producers measure what they have. You're talking about soil analysis. You're talking about manure and nutrient analysis. You're talking about consultancy to help get more product out of the field, out of the vineyard, out of the farm operation. So that's what we're talking to. We got Luke Baker. He's the CEO. Uh, Welcome to the show, Luke. Thanks, Damien. We got John McGuire, the chief innovation officer. Thanks for being here, John. Glad to be here. Pete Maybach is an actual consultant. He's the one that does the work. Let's face it. You got your corporate people over there in the C-suite. You know, they don't do anything. It's the guys out there on the street getting their boots dirty like Pete that actually do the work. Hi, Pete. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. All right. Uh, So reminder, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, I would like you to subscribe to the Business of Agriculture podcast. It's not just an audio where you get your audio. It's also a video. Go to the Damian Mason channel on YouTube and click subscribe. It'll help my viewership and it'll help people see great information like this. Also reminder that this episode is brought to you by my good friends at Harvest Profit. Harvest Profit is a software solution for your agricultural enterprise. You've got millions of dollars of capital in the air at any given time. You've got acres, you've got inputs, you've got outflows, you've got grain in the bin, you've got equipment. Are you keeping all this like on a piece of notebook paper? For God's sakes, no. Get a software solution that works as hard as you do. Go to harvestprofit.com for a 14-day free trial of their software for your ag enterprise. All right, guys, tell me about Brookside Laboratories. You go to the website, pretty impressive. Uh, Some guy in the like 1800s started this company and here you are today helping ag be more productive. Give me a little backstory. Yeah, so actually, the organization is 70 years old this year, I think. Some, or I think it's 70 years old this year. And it all started actually back in the late or early 50s, late 40s, early 50s, and um, basically stumbled upon a nutrient problem feeding animals. And it turned into, hey, something's wrong with the soil because the animals are eating plaster off the side of the barn. Um, we need to we need to rectify this, and that's really how the lab was born. It was connected with Dr. Albrecht out of the University of Missouri, who was doing a lot of work on calcium at that time, and and that's really how Brookside was born. And from that point on, we um, started a consultant um, organization to go along with the laboratory, and the consultants, as you said, go out and they basically service producers. Yeah. So what happens right now? There's a laboratory. And so the, the person's listening to this that may or may not be in on production ag. Um, we've got all of this different stuff that happens out here. Um, what is it that we're what is it that 
tell me the day in the life of Pete Maybach and then go from there. So the day in, a day in my life is chaotic, that's for sure. Uh, but what we do is we go out and we pull media samples and it can be soil. It can be water. It can be sand. It can be petioles. It can be tissues. It can be anything that the laboratory is able to analyze and submit them to the lab under a protocol. We wait to receive the data back. And then we make a recommendation based on that data. Uh, we are not associated with the sale of products. So therefore it's the farmers or the producers best interest in mind that the consultant force keeps, you know, front and center. We've, we're going to be one of the few people that come to your property to tell you what you don't need to do. Uh, Got it. So you're, 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 if I'm a farmer out here and I have, and you, you do all sorts of stuff, but the main thing is you're a part of this network with the Amplify network within the Brookside Laboratories company. And so you, you go out there and you grab a, a, a soil, you might mm -hmm. grab manure, uh, give me, give me what you're, and then you send it to them. And then they say, what they say, here's what your analysis is. That's right. They'll submit a report back to us. We take, uh, we take some time. We analyze the report. We compare what the goals are for the operation. And based on the numbers, we'll write a prescription or a management plan or a, uh, process that they can do to either enhance their golf course, enhance their row crop production, enhance the quality of the grape, enhance, you know, whatever they're trying to do. So you're a, you're a network of consultants. How many people you got, uh, John, you haven't said anything. So give it there to you. Me. Go. Tell me so about we're, you. we're in the neighborhood of a, of a 200 consultants worldwide, Damien. All right. These people do not work for you. They're independent, but they work within your organization. Tell me how that's set up. So, what, what we offer is we offer a support network. And that's truly when people are out there operating independently, they feel exactly that by themselves. And by becoming part of the Amplify Network, we give them the opportunity to work with not only an excellent laboratory in terms of Brookside, but also the access to peers. And, and, and that builds strength, that builds confidence, that builds better services to the clients in the end. And ultimately, like you've already said several times, we're all about the client. We're all about bringing value to those people. Okay, get far from my, my property is a dairy farmer. He's got a lot of stuff to figure out. Say a couple thousand acres of soil, uh, you do that. Um, manure. Uh, these livestock operations are putting manure out there. Uh, according to your website, that's a big part of what you do. Also, you analyze manure. Tell me about this stuff. What do you? What is it? What is it? What are we looking at? So, you know, gonna take that example from that operation. I mean, we're, we're looking at nutrient content. So, so you have a, manure is valuable, and again, it depends on where you're at too, because you may have too much manure and it needs to go someplace for environmental reasons, but. What is the value of that manure? So why why have manure and not apply it and buy fertilizer? Or if you've got plenty of manure, um, you know, use the manure to replace that fertilizer. Or if you, you've got your soils maybe kind of on that environmental edge, you need to haul it to the next farm or sell it to the neighbor or, you know, do some of those things. You can, we offer tissue testing, you know, water testing, all those um, sorts of things to not only do the job, you know, for the producer on nutrients, but also for environmental stewardship as well. Got it. So, <clears throat> by the way, Luke calls it manure, like M-A, newer, like it's more new. And I call it manure. And I've always wondered about that because I think it's manure. Like I say the word sure or pure, but then other people call it newer. Like, 
pure. Anyway, um, so we send this stuff in. We send this stuff in, and then you say, here's what your nutrient content is in this, and here's how you should be applying it. Is that what we're talking about? Are we talking about being more efficient? Are we talking about, I mean, why, why, why would I pay for this? I think it's, Damien, it's the relationship of the soil and that manure analysis that's coming back. And I, by the way, I say manure as well, because I think it is newer, maybe. But uh, no, it's, it's that soil nutrient relationship that you're really trying to create the right balance of. And it's, it's like Pete talked about, you know, with, with the fertilizer prices like they are today, that manure, Luke already said it has a lot of value. Well, guess what? It has even more value today. So, so why keep stacking more and more nutrition in a soil that's never going to bring you back uh, opportunity to, to gain yield and gain profitability when you've got another farm, maybe across the road or on another part, usually it's further away from, from the manure pit, but, uh, but basically take that, uh, that product off where you can get the biggest bang for your buck. And, and you have to understand both. You have to understand where the soil is and you have to understand what the nutrition content of that manure is so that you can, you can maximize your, uh, your opportunity from that. Yeah, let's, uh, which brings us to the whole thing. We call it the Business of Agriculture podcast for a reason, because we're talking about the business. Business is uh, our design to make money. That's why we do what we do. That's why we wake up and go to work. ROI. Um, I've, I've got I've got Pete here, and uh, Pete wants to make a, a, a money off of me. I'm a farmer. I'm a golf course owner. I'm a vineyard owner. You do it all. Tell me about ROI. What is it? What is your proposition? Why do I hire you? Well, I think first and foremost, it, it's based on my independence. That has been the number one thing that has allowed me to, to be in business since 1995 and continue to grow at a, at a fantastic rate. Uh, but the ROI comes back with the ability to help clients understand specificity in non-academic terms. I was, I was given a, a tremendous uh, ability to, to dumb things down and make, make things kind of click in people's mind. And, and, and I'm very, very lucky to uh, be able to explain things and have people say, that is exactly what I've been, I've been trying to figure this out, or I've been trying to get the definition in a way that I can understand it. And um, so the ROI comes with having people get their soils properly nutrient enriched, or having them have a golf course green that can survive the summer heat. In our area, the summer heat is devastating. And if you have the proper nutrition in the proper ratios without too much of one or the other, your golf course greens, they perform fantastic. And you can go home at 1.30 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon. If you have the proper amount of potassium in a row crop situation, not only are you moving sugar from the leaf tissue to the grain, you're also closing the stomachs on the underside of the leaves so that you don't enter drought stress as earlier as some of your neighbors. You know, you're utilizing nitrogen in a more efficient manner if you have the proper nutrient ratios in the ground. So my ROI comes with increased yield and bed soil health. Yeah. So let's we just talked about row crops that we also talked about golf courses. So your clients are row crop people. And they're also yep. golf courses to you know, night and day there. So right. your proposition to the golf course person is I make your life easier. You have a beautiful golf course because I'm actually managing all the resources for you. And then you can you can do what you do, which is go out and recruit people to come and golf or put on a golf outing or whatnot. Right. right. You mentioned before we started recording vineyards. Do you have a vineyard that's a client? I do. OK, tell me about that, because that's something that most people don't fully understand. What do you do for the vineyard? 
So uh, it, it all it all again revolves around nutrient analysis. And one of the key things, so Damien, bear with me. One of the key things is understanding the elements and potassium in a vineyard situation, it has some really unique properties in the plants. And it's true for all plant material. It does exactly what I said before. It moves sugar from leaf tissue to the, to the grape. And if you have inadequate potassium and that wonderful grape leaf is out there capitalizing and manufacturing carbohydrates, at some point that vine turns from vegetative to reproductive. And when it turns to reproductive, and so does soybeans, and so do corn and cotton and everything that, that tries to reproduce, at some point, the leaf tissue says, I'm going to stop sending carbohydrates to the root system, and now I am going to fill this grape or this soybean. And if you do not maximize the sugar removal from the leaf tissue into the fruit, you're, you're sacrificing the bottom line dollars. You must have that element in there. Now, unfortunately, the problem is there's some 100% water-soluble nutrients out there, sulfur, nitrate, potassium. When it rains heavy, it, they all go away. And if you're east of the Mississippi where you get 35 to 40 inches of rain, you have to monitor that a lot more than what you have to do west of the Mississippi where it's more arid and dry and more evaporative. There isn't just a lot of rain deposition. So we keep a real close thumb on the pulse of what the plant sees and then therefore is able to produce. By the way, you almost got technical there for a while. I liked it. Um, <clears throat> All right, John, John and Luke, you see data coming in or analysis, uh, you know, that you're doing for all over the country. Right. I mean, you've got your people, your 200, your 200 troops are all over the United States. Right? Canada also? All over yeah. the world. Yeah. OK. All over the world. So, so you got these people all over the place. You see a lot of stuff. Where are uh, we in agriculture? We could talk about golf courses, but that's not generally people listen to this. But it is a neat thing. Turf, because most people think about that. But let's talk about before we get to that other stuff. Um Managing resources is really what it's all about, you know, and that's what business is all about. It's like managing and exploiting the resource you have for someone's value. Where are our where are farms not exploiting their resources? Where are they wasting resources? Where are they underperforming? What do you see? You guys see a lot of stuff. You know, I, Damien, as, as Pete was talking, systems approach comes to mind. And it's, it's being able to look at the entire system and, and understand the processes like Pete's talked about. He's, he's talked about potassium and how it, how it functions within the plant. And, and you have to also understand how that potassium functions in the soil. You know, if we're going to talk technical for a minute, you talk about sandy soil, low exchange capacity, low ability to hold on to that sulfur, calcium, potassium, any positive element. And, and really, I think that's, uh, I go back to when synthetic fertilizer really took off in the in the 40s and 50s after World War II. A little bit of fertilizer went a long way. You put more on and you got more results. But at some point, you it, it becomes a law of diminishing returns. And I think people tend to say uh, more is better. Uh, farmers have a perspective of if a little is good, more is better. <laughs> and and it's, it's our network's job to come in and help people find that tipping point of diminishing returns and push things a little past that so that there's insurance, but not to go too far. And, and you pick an element, pick an element, because it, it happens with every single one of them, because it's easy. It's easy for the farmer to go out and, and, and spread fertilizer or apply nitrogen. And, and it, it, those things tend to get done and probably overdone from time to time. 
One thing really quickly, I'm sorry to interrupt and step on people, but I'm going to say that 90% of the listeners today think that nitrogen makes their crops green. And I'm going to tell you, it is not nitrogen at all. It is magnesium. And if you, don't, if you do not have magnesium in your soil at the adequate amount, just, just please Google the chlorophyll molecule and you will see magnesium in the middle and six nitrogens connected to the outside. So as you apply more in, you're going to get less and less return. You're going to spend more and more money unless your magnesium is properly there. By so, the way, to the people that didn't take Chemistry 112 at Purdue University, when he says in, that is the periodic symbol for nitrogen. And of course, magnesium is MG. So uh, there we go. Yes. You looking uh, for a job, Damien? <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, uh, you know, I always am. Okay. Um, Luke was getting ready to say something before Pete uh, hopped in there when we talk about, because really that's where I think the, the crux of this thing is, is that you're talking about managing resources and the average person, you know, drives by the field or drives by a vineyard or drives by a golf course, any of this stuff and say, oh yeah, that's what they do. There's a shitload of stuff that's happening under the dirt, right? For sure. For sure. Yeah. And like I was just getting ready to say, I think it's an education thing. It's you don't know what you don't know. And you think and John made a good point coming out of the 40s that when, when they didn't have anything to do with nitrogen to make bombs, you didn't need to make bombs anymore. Say, so, hey, we can apply it to the soil. We can use those plants. And so more is better. But and Pete mentioned it, too. You get to a certain point. It just isn't anymore. But I think there's some generational things happening now, too, where you're seeing grandpa hand off the farm to dad to hand off to the farm to the son. How does that happen? And you, what you're seeing is, well, I hear it from my own father. Well, we can't do that because dad won't, grandpa won't let me. And well, then if I went and did try to do something to my dad, no, that's not how we did it. And so there's this, there's this stepping, you have to get to a place where it's okay. And, and we encourage people to, or producers to, you know, educate themselves. We help them learn about what's going on in, in their, in their farms. So you talk about nutrient management. Uh, I'm going to jump here. Um, <clears throat> You're an Ohio-based company. Started hearing about this uh, algae bloom, Lake Erie. Uh, you know, we've had we've had our environmental issues. It used to be that we could gang up on um, on the steel mills, and you know, you got the rivers catching on fire in the 1960s and uh, early 70s in Ohio. And then, uh, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, dear listener, you can you can check that out. Also, yes, the Cuyahoga River caught on fire uh, because it was so polluted. Anyway. Then it became, wait a minute, we got industry handled. Basically, we just offshored it. But now we got agriculture. They're throwing all this stuff out there, manure and fertilizer. And now there's this algae bloom. A, is that really happening? B, have we corrected it? C, what went wrong? I don't know any farmer who buys fertilizer to put it in the ditch to send it to Lake Erie or Grand Lake St. Mary's. There you go. Because what you really want is it to go to your crop, which then goes into your, in your wallet. Yes. Okay. So it was never done intentionally. What happened? Well, I mean, I think there's some, there's some management changes. Um, You know, I, I just think it's a, it's a kind of the, probably the perfect storm. I don't think you can pinpoint it to any one thing. You have, um, you, you had a lot of tile drainage and stuff. You, you think about what the real problem is and it's dissolved phosphorus. And so that's phosphorus in water. It's actually in the water. Phosphorus is an element that sticks to things. It doesn't, it just isn't normally in soil solution. And so installing a lot of tile drainage, different management changes. Again, you could, again, there's a lot of things that 
people try to have one smoking bullet. It's not one smoking bullet. It's a, it's a systems type thing. And I think you almost have to go and approach every field individually and, and really dig into it to, to see what's going on. I, I, I'm not going to like, I have some theories and thoughts that we're not going to get into that today. Okay. I got you. And by the way, dear listener, P P that's phosphorus on the periodic chart. Okay. Uh, uh, a regulation, you know, P goes out and does his job. How much is regulation uh, an issue now versus when you began your career, presumably back um, in the eighties, nineties? It's a great question, Damien. And I come from the, from the, this, the focal point of where Western Lake Erie was, we were that 15, 20 years ago out in the Chesapeake Bay. My drainage is directly to the bay. And the emphasis is we need to clean the bay up. And we have a lot of, we have, like, like Luke said, there is so many facets that come into this. And, and it, it involves, not too many people can think deeper than two levels, but involves six and seven and eight deep level thinking here. And part of our problem is we have a majority of poultry producers out on the East Coast. Virginia cannot produce enough grain to feed the poultry industry. So we get to import thousands of rail cars from the Midwest with grain on them. And they go through a monogastric chicken and then we get the wonderful poultry litter and it has to go somewhere. It's never put on a train and taken back out to where it came from. It's always put in Virginia and the Delmarva area. So our phosphorus cup is overflowing. We can hardly find low pea testing ground now. And so we're at crop removal rates now. If, you, if you're above 40 parts per million, you can put on crop removal, that's it. And it's an education thing where we must convince the farmer that you don't need to use your, you shouldn't use your land as a landfill for additional phosphorus. There comes a point when it actually comes off the soil colloid and goes into the water and creates problems downstream. And now the Western Lake Erie watershed is facing that situation. That, now. There are multiple things that are affecting that, and I'm not going to blame farmers, but uh, we have to be better at data management, data collection. We have to not send, you know, some 16-year-old kid out there to pull soil samples in one corner of the field where the manure spreader dumped for forever. You, know, you have to be very, very precise about what you do to get data that helps make you stay in black money, not red money. That's the bottom. I like it. I, I like it. I like it. I'm, I'm digging this. Uh, by the way, dear listener and viewer, I should remind you once again that uh, my buddy Nick Horeb started a company called Harvest Profit. The reason he started his company, he's not a software guy. He's not a software engineer. He's not a pinheaded, like, technical dude. He's a business guy. And he looked around at agriculture and he said, you know what ag needs? It needs a software product specific to their industry. So he created Harvest Profit. You can go to harvestprofit.com and read his articles and see if it's a product that you can use because I'm sure they have a product you can use to keep all of your business running smoothly and most importantly, profitably. Go to harvestprofit.com. Carbon, carbon as the new thing, you know, and by the way, periodic symbol C, periodic symbol C, <laughs> carbon is the new buzzword. It's all over the place. I'm reading in the Wall Street Journal about carbon credits. I've yet to see any of it. I've got 60 acres of managed timber out here at my farm. And I've got a hundred acres in alfalfa at my farm. I'm not getting any money for carbon credits. Allegedly it's coming. We'll see. But anyway, carbon's the new buzzword. What do you think as your job, you're all about nutrients. You're all about management of resources, all about preventing uh, overabundance of stuff. What do you think when I say carbon credits, agriculture, where's this, where does Brookside laboratories and amplify network of consultants fit in? What are you going to do? What do you see? 
Luke? Well, I mean, we do a lot of the analysis. We're doing a lot of the work now. And, and at the end of the day, our guys have been trained this for 70 years about putting carbon in the soil. There's so many more benefits that be, go beyond getting paid directly um, for them. That's just an added benefit. I mean, the fact that the amount of water that you can, more water you can hold in the soil, uh, more nutrients you can hold, there's just so many more benefits. It actually re- holds nutrients and releases them, you know, in a more timely manner when the crop needs it. And so there's just a lot of benefits. So get, if, if you can get paid for it on top of doing the right thing, that would be fantastic. What you're saying is we see a benefit by having increased quantity of carbon in our soil, period. It's good for, it's good for what we do. And you're saying that you're on, from your analysis standpoint, when you see carbon rich soil, you're like, good for you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's fantastic. If we see that it's actually, we know the soil is going to be more forgiving to the producer if they make a mistake and it's just going to be more productive over time. And there's a reason that there is a whole chemistry platform donated to it called organic chemistry around one element of carbon and it is it's in depth uh, and I, I tell everybody i put on a lot of talks about this and and carbon ranges from everything from algae in a pond to earthworms to animals to humans everything is carbon as we go up the chain to wood to oil to coal to diamond it's all the same element just different forms and and Obviously, there are bioreactive or, or biologically active carbon, and those are the ones that we want to analyze and store more of. But it's all the same element, and people don't really understand that. Yeah, well, right, and and, it, and also it, everybody give give uh, the suburban housewife that uh, is told that uh, carbon is evil, give her a diamond, and she thinks carbon is beautiful, right? <laughs> uh, that's exactly right. <clears throat> so. Um, you can measure it there. That's what you do. You can measure the amount of carbon in the soil. Um, do you think that's going to be a new thing that you're going to do as we keep talking about? Are we sequestering carbon? I mean, can you help me do that? And can you measure it? If I say, hey, Pete, I'm getting this, this company's going to give me money because I'm sequestering their carbon for carbon credits. Can you make that happen? Yes, for sure. And we've been like Luke said, we have been doing that. Our goal is to manage the soils. And just real quickly, bear with me. If you think about how carbon is I've been bearing with you for 20 minutes so far. And I mean, trust me. <laughs> so if you go south where the heat is intense, you go along the Texas and, and Alabama and, and where it's so hot. Carbon exposed to the atmosphere has a tendency to burn off as CO2. All carbon eventually ends up as CO2 in its biologically active form. But as you come north where it gets warmer, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, where it gets cooler, you start to sequester more and more carbon because the heat units do not allow it to burn off. There's a reason that there are no peat bogs in Texas. And all the peat bogs are in Canada and Minnesota and the northern, the northern climates. So the sequestering carbon is a natural thing. What we try and do is in those mid-latitudes to southern latitudes, and even up where I'm talking to you from Wisconsin today, the more life, which is carbon, that you can stockpile into your soil, the better off it is. And the theory is that the less CO2 in the atmosphere, the better we will be. I'm, you know, it's just, it's, it's an important trend that we try and do more of and maintain our soil in homostasis so it does not lose as CO2. Did you say homostasis? Yes. You want to define that for the listener? Uh, status quo. Okay. I want carbon. We're going to maybe get paid for carbon. How are you going to help me stick more carbon in my soil? Practices, right? 
Right. Okay. What practices? Well, uh, it, it really it, it revolves back to uh, farm management and the ability to hold these guys behind me. Lately, quail. Absolutely. If we sequester more carbon and we do more uh, uh, cover crop management and we make habitat proper for the soil, it will be habitat proper for quail. Uh, and by that, you know, less tillage. Not that I'm a note. Not that I'm a, a, a complete tillage guy or a no-till guy. But it, it's all in balance. You've got to maintain less soil exposure during times when when it burns off or loses. We lose soil due to erosion. Uh, there is. They're working on carbon capture techniques. It's just important that we store more carbon because it's life for a future row crop planting. Which brings me to regenerative agriculture. So I read uh, Gabe's book about regenerative agriculture called Dirt to Soil. I had him on this very podcast. I'm, uh, I, I say in my own book, uh, Food Fear, the book about the business of agriculture, past, present, and future, that I see a future where the best methods of conventional, the best methods of organic, the best methods of regenerative come together because, you know, like, uh, like we just heard here, like John said, we're out here to make a money and do this. You know, there's people that get fixed in their ways, but I don't give two hoots in hell how we do it. It's like what's good for the ground, what's good for my bottom line, what's good for me. Regenerative agriculture seems like a, a really brilliant thing. It's a usage of cover crop. It's reduction of tillage because tillage does break down soil structure. Is Am I, on, am I convinced that it's the right thing? Well, there's a couple flaws with it because there's nothing that's perfect. What do you guys think when I say regenerative agriculture? Me, I think it's a learning curve. It, it comes back to this is one of those things that that you're right. There's a lot of benefits that 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 Pete just went through that that you've been talking about, but it's a learning curve for most farmers, and most of those guys need some help when it comes back to uh, to getting up that curve, Damien. And again, thinking about the Amplify Network, it's their job to go out there and identify the newest and latest equipment, the newest and latest techniques, the newest and latest best cover crop mix. Whatever it is, um, it's the consultant's job to go out and identify that and bring it to their clients. And, uh, and by the way, agronomy is regional. So it, what works in Pete's area in Virginia, where he just talked about the heat units, is much different than, than somebody that works in, in southern Minnesota. So, yeah, yeah. so that's what's, what's cool about our network, though, too, is Pete brings ideas from, from his area that comes to Wisconsin that does have enough overlap that it's worth talking about. Mm -hmm. It just may not be a plug and play kind of, uh, kind of process. John is exactly right. Let me expand on that really quickly by saying, I am talking to you from the land of peanut butter soil. And I mean, when it's wet, it's gooey, sticky. And when it's dry, it is clay baked. And these farmers need to return a profit. So in the fall, when it's time for them to harvest before the corn gets snowed under, they're going to go on their peanut butter soil and compact the living hell out of it to get the crop off. They cannot let it get snowed in and the deer eat 60% of their yield. So what do they do when they harvest it? They impart compaction. And when they impart compaction, then they have to do tillage, which they really don't want to do, but they have to do it to undo the damage. So it is a, it's, it's an individual aspect that you have to address. It's, it's not one thing. I would love for my clients up here to be no-till. 
but it's physically impossible. Out of the way, just because the person that's listening might be confused, we announced that you're from Virginia. You work in the Delmarva, that's Delaware, Maryland, Virginia Peninsula, and you work in the Chesapeake Bay region, but you are right now uh, hanging out up in Wisconsin where you also do work. So the, the person listening is like, I thought he was that place that gets all this heat. What the hell is he talking about? Snow and beer and all that. All right, so we don't confuse people. He works between two places. And actually, we're not sure he works all that much at any place. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Okay. Um, Soil. I'm all about it. I was going to be an agronomist. Um, but then I looked at a bio, at a, at a uh, organic chemistry book and I said, oh, mm, nah, no. Anyway, um, I've been telling my audiences for a long time. I've put it in my book also. We're going to look back at all the tillage that we do, speaking of tillage, and we're going to say, that's like the way you used to use leeches for healthcare, for God's sakes. Um, are we over tilling? I think we are. You guys give me your thoughts. I think Pete just said it. Tillage breeds tillage. And it's it's one of those things. It's Damien, it's why I mentioned that you shouldn't be thinking whole hog on a lot of these, these uh, regenerative processes. You should be thinking about where can I start? Where can I learn? Where's my test plot? Where that's uh, driving down here this morning, I drove by a cover crop field that was probably 400 feet of, of conventional, 400 feet of, of no-till or, or uh, cover crop, 400 feet of, of conventional again. And I told the guy that was riding with me, I said, Brendan, that guy's doing a test plot. He's trying to learn what that ryegrass is doing and he's put out strips. And, and that's that's how guys get forward. You know, that's how guys move forward is, is they're looking at those practices, trying to figure out What's the herbicide program I have to use? What's the fertility program I have to use? Because by the way, when I use ryegrass, what, what am I doing to my carbon levels? I'm raising it. Well, guess what? In order to produce a crop, you have to proportionally raise your nitrogen levels as well. So, so there's, it's all about learning. It's all about identifying those practices. And you, if you try to do it whole hog, guess what you're going to do? You're going to trip and fall right on your face. So you're better off to, to dip your toe in the water Find somebody to help you. Find a group of other farmers who are trying to do it and, and move forward together as a group. You know, so I, I don't have anything to say. That. That's really good information right there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it, took, it took a while for you to impress me, John, but you came around. You did. You came around to it. I was all right, hypothetically the butt of all the jokes today. No, 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 man. I'm glad you're hypothetically. Um, I've got uh, 80 acres down the road. I'm going to go buy it. Um, you know, we've all been to the farm auctions. We've all see this ag people love land. Um, I've bought farms. I never had the soil tested before I bought them. Did I make a mistake? How much did, how much difference does it make? I'm not talking about you drive by and like, Oh God, it's got sheet erosion, real erosion. It's been blowing away. It's been mistreated. It's compacted as hell. It's a mess. You can tell that, but there's a field that you drive by and it looks okay. What do you not see? Maybe I need somebody like Pete to come out here and say, you know what? You're a thousand dollars high on your offer price because it needs six years of intensive management to get that neutral back. Am I wrong? Am I right? What am I? What am I thinking here, Damon? You're exactly right, and I'm going to say you're seventy-five thousand dollars on your offer too high because when you go in and quantify what a soil in that locale should be, and then at least where I'm at, most guys that rent the property they rent it short term and they pretty much utilize it. They burn it out and then they walk away. Then we call it mining. Isn't that mining? Yeah. <laughs> they mine the devil out of it. And then when you come and take a look at it, you're like, I can make a, I, I can make 220 bushel corn, no problem. And you find out that your soil health and nutritional levels are, are lower than the basement. Uh, it's, it's a struggle. And, and I'm going to give you a report 
based on you know today's prices that says you're going to spend $75,000 in nutrition just to get it back to ground zero. Yeah. And um, we're used a lot now in real estate land transactions to find out where is my where's my meter? Am yeah. I, you know, low, medium, high? What am I what am I putting my money into? So, yeah. Yeah. So you, a smart person would say, um, uh, hey, Pete, come out here and, and you give me an analysis and then I can uh, I know how to uh, push my bid. But then what really happens, let's face it, is even though you give me the information, I go into that auction and then there's the neighbor guy that I'm kind of pissed at anyhow because he picked on me on the school bus. And so I just keep bending it up to show him that I cannot bid him on that chunk of okay. ground anyhow, right? That's right. Or you're out and you live where I am, where the crop rotation is corn, beans, wheat, houses. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really matter anyway. Or you live where we're at and you need that 80 acres because it borders you and you don't want to truck the manure any further and you got to move it to the, you see that happen a lot too. So you'll spend whatever. And yeah, Damien, right. It's because they need, they need a place to put the manure, right? Okay. Go ahead, John. One of the, one of the biggest success stories, a lot of our consultants can probably tell about picking up new clients or, and, or picking up new farms like you're talking about. So they work with the client that's going to bid on that piece of ground. Um, the first thing they're probably going to do is take a lime truck out across that farm, because that's usually the thing that's been ignored the most. And if it has been paid attention to, a lot of times those guys are applying the wrong type of lime. They're liming for pH instead of paying attention to the things like Pete talked about with the calcium for soil structure or potentially magnesium for the uh, for the chloroplast like Pete talked about. So, so I would say that that's probably one of the biggest success stories that our consultants can tell. If, if you're going to buy a farm is that soil sample is going to tell you how much lime you need and what type of lime you need. You know, it's interesting, you know, uh, when I was a kid in PK, nitrogen, phosphorus, mm-hmm. potassium, never talked about magnesium, never talked about zinc, uh, right. you know, all these sorts of things. We're better at it, aren't we? I'd like to think so. I mean, yeah, for sure. We talk about Liebig's law, the minimum, and every basic soils class or basic soil fertility class, and yet for years you still hear about NPK. And I, I think I feel we've gotten better. Yeah. Um, it, it, for sure, we have gotten better through through you know people like the Amplify Network and your podcast. I mean, it's always about education, and right. the more people will sit down and invest in either their legacy or their future. The whole goal of every farmer, in my opinion, should be to make that ground better than when they got it for when they're not there anymore. So improve it. And you do that by education. Uh, You know what? And my wife and I just talked about drove around the golf cart last evening, having a cocktail, and I might've even sneaked a cigar into the whole mix. And we looked at my property and I said, you know what I like? I said, I like what this alfalfa is doing for this ground because, uh, you know, we're putting nitrogen into it and we're we're holding it all year with the cover crop and and whatnot. And there is something very, very prideful about that. If you do things right, right, you say, I left left it better than I got it, right? Right. Uh, What did we not discuss? What did we not cover in this podcast? Because we've gone long, which is fine. It's very interesting. And, you know, life begins and ends with soil and agriculture does not exist without soil. And we talk a lot about soil because it's that that important. And what you guys do is very important. You help people get the most out of their operation by getting the most out of their soil and their other nutrients. What did we not cover? What, What thing did we not discuss? Luke, what thing did we not cover that you think the world needs to know? I mean, I, 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 one thing I don't, well, I, I think we touched on it is, I mean, we're, we're, we're trying to create legacy ultimately at the end of the day. I mean, Pete just mentioned that. And I think that's more important than anything else here that we've discussed is, 
how do we how do we produce all this food that we're this, the world is going to need and do it in a way that we, we still have our waterways and we still have you know clean air to breathe and and feed nine billion people feed nine billion people and i think that's the thing that maybe we didn't hit on directly we talked about it but maybe not directly is is our kids are counting on us our grandkids are counting on us um to do better and be better and and at the same time we've got to put food on the table so it's the combination of can we find the the right space to do both and and i absolutely positively think that's yes and because people are doing it today yeah and that's what you're and that's what you guys are in the business of doing is, is nutrient management, resource management to get the, the money and the and the production. What uh, something you see from your perspective, Pete, you're out there running around between two states, at least um, sometimes three. But then let's face it, Delmarva. It's like it's like the size of my county. I mean, for God's sakes. Oh, no, more of a peninsula. It's like, yeah, it's like 40 miles one way and three miles the other way. <laughs> but a bunch of chickens. Uh, anyway. What do you see between Delmarva, Virginia, and Wisconsin? What do you see from your perspective that the average person might not see? Well, you know, it's, there's so much to answer in that question. But what I want to state is I want agricultural producers and people who are trying to make a living from capturing sunlight, which that's what they do. All of us capture sunlight. Mm-hmm. Most other people are paper pushers, but we actually capture sunlight and we produce something with that. And that is that's huge. I want those producers to take an active role in their future. And by that, I mean acquire succinct and reproducible data. Go pull some samples. Find somebody that's going to be a a champion for your farm that's not going to probably sell you something. Take an active role in what you're doing. And then the last thing is acquire the necessary data so that your grandson doesn't come into a black hole. Produce something, produce a report for him so that he can take it and run instead of like, it's all on a piece of paper and I can't read anything. Mm-hmm. Find, a, find a data management system for soil, for finances, or find something that you can pass on if you don't come home tomorrow. And the soil is one of the most important things we deal with. It is the life of everything we do. Unless you like seafood, pretty much everything else comes from the soil. So take an active management in, in determining where you are on your soil uh, scale. Are you really good? Do you, do you need tweaks here and there? Mm-hmm. Go out and be confident of the data you're collecting and the report you're given so that you can give it to your grandson. I like it. I like it. All right. Anything from you, John, wrapping up here? Quickly, I would say, Damien, the only thing that we didn't talk about, when you look at the life cycle of a, of a typical client of, of an Amplify consultant, at some point, they've they've managed agronomy pretty doggone well. And at that point, it's time to move on. And Pete said it several times, data. And, and really, it comes back to understanding economics. It comes back to intermixing agronomy and economics to really understand where do I maximize my input. And that, that goes across the gamut of inputs from, from seed, chemical, fertilizer, uh, manure, name it. And, and, and it's understanding where do I maximize my investment in terms of, to, to maximize ROI. That's good information. His name is John McGuire. He's the chief innovation officer of Brookside Laboratories. He's sitting next to a guy named Luke Baker, the CEO, president of Brookside Laboratories, coming uh, remotely from uh, Wisconsin, who also works in Virginia, Pete Maybach, owner of M&M Consulting. If anybody has a question because you think this is a great topic, which it is a great topic, and they want to find you, they can go to brooksidelaboratories.com. Am I right? 
they can go to the brooksidelaboratories.com or uh, amplifytogether.com, which is the other site for the consultant network. And then they could find somebody like Pete in their backyard that can help them uh, do this. Or if they just have a question about the topics we covered. Guys, I really appreciate being on here. Hey, thanks, Damien. It's been fun. Well, it's been, it's been, been this, I mean, it's, it's been as fun as a podcast can be, right? This podcast is brought to you by Harvest Profit. You've heard me talk about them. You know, they're one of my wonderful sponsors. And I love, I love uh, my man, Nick Horeb, who founded Harvest Profit. Go to harvestprofit.com and check out their software products. It's software to help you be what your business in agriculture is supposed to be. It's supposed to be profitable. See if then Harvest Profit can help you do just that. Because again, it's about managing resources. Thanks a lot for being on, guys. Thanks, Dan. Our pleasure. Thank Thank you. Look forward to September. There you go. I'll be seeing you in September. Thanks a lot. Till next time, it's the business of agriculture. Thank you for tuning into the Business of Agriculture podcast, sponsored by Land Trust. Land Trust partners with farmers and ranchers to capture pure profit from sportsmen seeking new experiences and places to hunt and fish. Land Trust built the platform and does the marketing. You maintain 100% control of access and activities, and you set the rules. There's no cost or obligation when you list, and the next 10 Business of Agriculture listeners who go to landtrust.com BOA are eligible for a gift worth over $2,000.